Pastor Xavier Reese and the guidance we receive from the unfolding hand of God. As we walk through life and we look back 5, 10, 15, 50 years, whatever it is, we will clearly see from God's perspective from where He's picked us up and to where He's brought us. We will see how God has unfolded His faithfulness before our lives. And you will be just humbled <laughs> because He's done it in spite of Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. The prophet Samuel anointed David when he was about 15 years old, though he did not take the throne until age 30, meaning David spent at least 15 years in preparation for his call. However, for as long as this preparation time was, it served him well for a reign that lasted for 40 years. And with today's Simple Truth study of 2 Samuel chapter 5, Pastor Xavier illustrates how God uses abundant preparation when the task is great. Let's listen. The people could clearly see that Saul was only king over them, but David, the true leader. Saul was the acknowledged king. Saul was the one in command. Saul was the one who was served by the people. But they said David had been the one who really had led Israel out and brought them in. They recognize that now. David was the one facing the enemy. David was the one risking his life. David was the one who was with the fighting men out in the field. David was the one who had been protected by God. They could look on the past and see that David was the one fighting the battles of the Lord, not Saul. All of these things were necessary for the kingdom of Israel to become united under the hand of David. God was working this at his own time. Patience, endurance, abiding. Notice still in verse 2. The people clearly affirmed David's call by God. They acknowledged that God indicated David was to be the shepherd of God's people. The one who spoke to Samuel to anoint David was God, not man, you remember. Remember, David was in King Saul's army as his armor bearer, as his minstrel when he had those demonic events. He was Saul's captain over his army. David had experience behind him. David gained his position through the ranks. The choice was by God, not man. Saul was man's choice. David was one who gave evidence of being wise. David was well prepared by God to understand the needs of the people. He lived with the people. He was with the people. That's one of the key things as a shepherd. If you're a shepherd, if you're a pastor, you have to stay with the people so you understand what's going on. Too many shepherds don't know. There's a disconnect between the pulpit and the pew. It's like our, our, our officials there in Washington. There's a disconnect. They're not living in reality. They don't have to worry about paying, doubling your, your registration tax. And they don't care if the electricity is 1000 a month. To them, it doesn't matter. There's a disconnect. 
And shepherds are disconnected from the people. They don't live among the people. They don't live like the people. They just... So there's a parallel between the world and the church, especially today. You better be living with the people. You better know what's happening with the people. The word shepherd means to protect, provide, and to tend and to guide the flock of God, as you know. This is the first time the shepherd image is used for David's calling. God said he would hold the idle shepherds responsible for not feeding the flock of God or feeding themselves in Ezekiel 34, 7 through 10. God will hold. I can't even imagine any pastor who teaches the word of God, whether he has 50 people, 20 people in the church, or 5,000. And the more you have, the more accountability that you do not feed the people of God. I mean, studying, praying, taking care of things, you know, discipling and everything else and doing evangelism and everything we have to do. I don't have the extra time. Just do what God's called you to do. I'll do what God's called me to do and I'll see you in the kingdom. Or maybe not. (laughs) David's present character demonstrated his heart of a shepherd yielding and leading that God would lead him. The leading of God. Now notice still in two, they acknowledge that David was called to be the ruler, the prince, the leader over Israel by God before these events. They're looking back. Hindsight. Samuel went, as you know, in chapter 16, commanded by God. He anointed David. And when Samuel anointed David, the Spirit of God came upon him from that day forward, it says in 1 Samuel 16, 13. David was called because he was a man after God's own heart. Unlike Saul, who was self-willed. We are told that in 1 Samuel 13, 14. Very clear. The very context defines for us the term, a man after God's own heart. David was a man who was God-centered, desiring to do the will of God, not the will of a sinful man, though he failed drastically. You understand? God doesn't hide the sins of David. We're going to be getting into them, and they are horrible. And we need to learn from his bad points as well as we're learning from his good points. David, in as a boy took charge and went to kill Goliath as a shepherd boy. Remember, 1 Samuel 17. He took up the cause of God as a young man. The women sang about Saul's thousands, but David's tens of thousands, and the hair on the back of his neck stood up. David didn't try to kill Saul, though he had a couple of chances in 1 Samuel 24 and 26. He let him live. I will not touch God's anointed. And David's present character, his past record and call, united the heart of Israel to David as God had proclaimed. We're in the middle of this fog. We're in the middle of this darkness. And I don't know how God can... Just relax, Francis. God's in control. You just need to abide. Remember, God said, the Lord told his disciples, let's go to the other side of the Galilee. And the storm rose up. And oh, don't you care, we perish. They didn't listen. He says, get in the boat, and let's go to the other side. If he said, let's get to the other side, you're going to get to the other side. He didn't tell you how. He just said, you'll get there. So stay in the stinking boat. One day, St. Francis of Assisi was confronted by a brother who asked him repeatedly, why you? Why you? He declared to God, had willed it so, and that God chose him because he could not find none more worthless. And he wished to confound the nobility and grandeur, the strength and the beauty 
and the learning of this world. What a great answer. When we think of God using any of us, all we can do is hang our head low and say, Lord, be propitious to me, a sinner. What do I have to boast about? This was the heart of David, a heart for God. Just like St. Francis of Assisi. Paul's rebuke to the Corinthians for their spiritual pride is an ever reminder of the potential of every believer. Listen carefully to 1 Corinthians 1, 25 through 29. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing the things that are. Why? That no flesh should glory in his presence. If you're a Christian, there's never any glory. If you're in leadership, there's never absolutely any glory. <laughs> the glory is all to God. Some of our people that knew us, our friends, they, they, they look at you now clothed and saying you're a Christian and how your life has changed. They go, why him? He's a rat. And they were more moral and ethical than, than you were. And they can't. They're scratching their head. And you're just saying, God's grace. <laughs> Paul again writes to the Galatians and he teaches the principle of David. He was not concerned with what people thought about him and his call. But trusted God to establish it without attempting to force it himself. Listen very carefully. But Galatians uh, 2, 6 through 7. But from those who seemed to be something, whatever they were, and he's talking about the apostles in Jerusalem. I like Paul. He didn't care who you were. It makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something add nothing to me. But on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel from the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter. So Paul is saying, listen, God called me. He saved me in Damascus. Rose. I was there for three years. I met with Jesus for three years. King Aretas wanted to take my head off. They let me down in a basket over the wall. I scurried to Jerusalem. They thought I was an undercover Pharisee. Barnabas took a chance on me. I began to preach. Things got hot. They sent me in an hour up north. And I've been up there for a lot of years. And I don't really care what anybody thinks. I love it. <laughs> Paul reminded Timothy about the difficulties of being called by God. And that it is confirmed by the enablement to persevere. If I yield, God is sufficient for it. Listen to 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 9. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. And by the way, that's 2 Timothy 1, 8 through 9. In other words, Paul is telling them, you know, 
God has his purpose and God's the one that enabled. Don't be ashamed. Take up your share of suffering. You're a soldier. I am only responsible for my post as God's soldier. This is where he's put me. My responsibility is to make sure no enemy gets through at my point. The rest of the soldiers, different calls, is their part. I'm not worried about them. I'm to hold my post. And I'm to hold my post until the point of death. You understand? And I'm to lay down my life to protect that ground. That's all I am responsible for. And that's all you are responsible for. You're not going to fix the whole world. Just be the soldier that he's called you to be. And take your lumps and bump without whining. You imagine a soldier out there says, this isn't fair. I didn't sign up for this. Look at those guys back there. They've got it better. They don't think like that. They're focusing on the enemy. You understand? The pastor and teachers of the church are to shepherd the flock of God. For they will have to give an account to God. Anybody who teaches, anybody who puts themselves in a position of leadership by God's call, and you respond to it, and you lose sight that you're going to give an account for everything you ever say. And the people who sat under you has lost sight. There can be no greater responsibility. Paul tells the Ephesian elders as he left in Acts 20, 28. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among the Holy Spirit who has made you overseers. To shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. The church is not mine. You do not belong to me, yet I'm responsible for you. You understand? Peter puts it this way, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 2 through 4. Shepherd the flock of God, which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, money, but eagerly, not as being lords over those entrusted to you. We're not dictators. We're not policemen but being examples of the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, Jesus, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. A shepherd who's looking for applause from the people, reward from the people is a fool. The shepherd who's looking to Christ is a very wise man. And he must keep his eyes focused on Jesus because there's so many things that happen from this perspective out David was a man called by God. And notice thirdly, David's compensation. Now this deals with the future. Began with the present, justified by the past, confirmed, and now the future. Verse 3 through 5. In verse 3, the elders of Israel all came to David, the king of Hebron. Don't miss that. David was anointed by David. We already noted that. 1 Samuel 16, 13. David had been anointed by Judah in 2 Samuel 2.4. David was being anointed by all of Israel now in 2 Samuel 5.3. Three Three anointings. As they saw his present godly character, as they saw his past record, they were willing to place their future to David as king, knowing that he could do nothing but what he had done in the past. Your past and your present validates people's trust and they will give themselves to you as a leader. This is what God uses, ladies and gentlemen. David's reputation was based on his character. A reputation without character is self-deception and hypocrisy. 
Notice the threefold repetition of all. It marks the unanimous united monarchy. It's in verse 1, verse 3, and verse 5. All, all, all. The tribes, the elders, Israel. Now notice still in 3, David the king made a league or a covenant with Israel. The covenant with Israel was an agreement by David and by them to continue doing what that which he had done from the beginning to the present. To feed the flock of God. To protect the flock of God. To provide for the flock of God. To guide the flock of God. This is what shepherds are to do. How much more was he now fit? Having gone through all the experience of warfare. All the tests. We, we don't get the time. Remember, he's been waiting. He was in Hebron, his capital, for seven and a half years, waiting for God to do it. Saul had been dead seven years already. So you've got to put this stuff in the backdrop. Didn't happen overnight. Look at three still. The place with Hebron. Hebron spoke of God's faithfulness to what he had promised. At Hebron, Abraham had built an altar after the Lord saw Lot depart. Very important portion, Genesis 13. He built an altar after Lot's department, departure. At Hebron, Abraham name, his name was changed by God from Abram to Abraham, father of multitudes, Genesis 17.5. At Hebron, three angels came down and gave the promise of Isaac, Genesis 18. One of them was Jesus. The other two were angels. At Hebron, all the patriarchs and their wives were buried in the cave of Machpelah, except for Rachel. Near Hebron, the spies had brought back the cluster of grapes near Hebron. Numbers 13, 22 through 23. Hebron had a long history of God's presence, fellowship, and guidance. God had told David to go to Hebron. He asked him in chapter 2, verse 1, where did I go? Go to Hebron. The pledge was before the Lord, and they anointed David king over Israel. Any pleasure apart from God is doomed to fail. Any place before the Lord can only be honored by God if we yield. Anything God does will stand. He exalts and abases man. Three times the word king, Malek, is stated in verse 3. The monarchy promised to David was fulfilled now. Malek, king. Melchizedek, Mel. King of righteousness. That's the word, the root word. Three times it had been fulfilled. But not overnight, was it? You see yourself right now in a cloud? Little of a dark cave? You, you, you having the thought of maybe taking life into your own hands? Don't be dumb. You abide in God. Look at four and five. David's reign was long. David was 30 years old when he began to reign, and he reigned for 40 years. Verse 4 tells us he reigned as a type of Christ, as you know, throughout the Scriptures. He's a type of Jesus Christ. And it's interesting, the priests entered their office at 30 years of age. They, they, went into the, they started the school at 25, and there was a five-year apprenticeship. But at age 30, the priests entered the priesthood, age 30. The Lord Jesus began his ministry at age 30. David was 30 years old. In his due time, God had exalted David. 
Notice David reign in two places. He reigned in Hebron over Judah for seven and a half years. A time of hardship and uncertainty, a time of trusting and depending on God, a time to build character. And then he reigned in Jerusalem, we're told, over Judah and Israel for 33 years. Verse 5. God brought it to pass. God kept them for the set time. Man, this is incredibly good for us. Hindsight. When Sir Walter Raleigh spread his beautiful cloak, new as it was, over the mud that Queen Elizabeth might walk dry shod, he had the shrewdness of mind to know that nothing is lost when it's given to royalty. Indeed, in a very true sense, it is impossible really to deny oneself for a king. His return is so swift and so vastly in excess that what we give really is nothing. How do we even make it worth anything? And yet, it is the heart of self-sacrifice that he looks at and honors, not the amount or what we give. We always look at it in reverse. We look at the sun and we say, oh, that's a beautiful sunrise. You've got it wrong. It's a beautiful earth turning. The sun's not rising. The earth is revolving. So we make observation from our perspective regarding the things of God. You got to get up to heaven and look down to earth. <laughs> Through the scriptures, ladies and gentlemen. Listen to Joshua 1.8. Here's the principle. As we walk through life, the book of the law shall not depart from you, but you shall meditate upon it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous. Bing, money. No, no, spiritually. <laughs> and then you have good success. You want to have success in life, in the Lord? Then you meditate upon the Word. As we walk through life, and we look back 5, 10, 15, 50 years, whatever it is, we will clearly see and be able to see from God's perspective from where he's picked us up and to where he's brought us. And you will be just humbled <laughs> because he's done it in spite of me. Mm. We will see how God has unfolded his, his faithfulness before our lives. That evidence will help assure us that he will continue that work until the day of Jesus Christ as I abide, Philippians 1.6. Oh, that we would cry out, Jesus, be my shepherd. Lead me, feed me, rule me, and guide me. David was a man compensated by God. David's kingship is marked by those three facts. They should mark our life too. David was a man of character before God. David was a man called by God. And David was a man compensated by God. Man, that's to be you and I. If we get that focus and don't make it so complicated, 
God will be glorified and we will be what we're supposed to be. Pastor Xavier Reese and recognizing the hand of God on each of our lives as we answer our own divine call. And today's Simple Truth study is simply titled, David is Anointed King of Israel, and is available on CD upon request for just $4. And we'll also include everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. So once again, the title to ask for is, David is Anointed King of Israel, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And be sure to join us in the new year for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 